Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, Dodger fans? And thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We're really excited this week because we're joined by the great Steven Nelson. We've had a lot of great new Dodgers join this team, including J.D. Martinez, David Peralta, oh. Jason Hayward. But I think the star of them all is Steven Nelson. Yes. <laughs> if you've watched Intentional Talk, you know him. But Steven, welcome to the show. So let's get the show going. Uh, how's your first year with the Dodgers going? How'd you like damn. that intro? I mean, damn, guys, I was not, I mean, I'll get your Venmo in a little bit. Let me know how much I owe you for that introduction. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, definitely not in the same same uh, grouping as uh, the other names that you mentioned, but in seriousness, I appreciate you guys um, carving out uh, some time for me. It's good to virtually meet. We talked about doing that in person down the line, but uh, I'm excited to chop it up with you. Jake Reiner is also here, and you had a really good question that I actually wanted you to kick off the show with Jake. So I'm going to pass it over to you. Yeah, I. So you've you've watched the Dodgers from afar in a way. I mean, you discussed them on Intentional Talk, and you've you've covered them. I know you may have done a couple of the the Apple games with, with the Dodgers, but what is your impression of this team this year as someone that hasn't really been there every single day? You obviously have gotten to know some of the players and interacted with some of them and, and gotten to know this team a little bit now. Um, what What is your impression of this team this year? Yeah, Jake, Kevin was in line. That was a great question. And I, I it's certainly enhanced my appreciation for the organization. Like I, I always said, even before that I was working for the team that the Dodgers are the best run organization in baseball. And I was looking at that, you know, mostly through a baseball operations lens. And now to see like the totality of the organization, that it really is like top to bottom, every department, it's just a absolute wagon. Um, and you see why the Dodgers are what they are. But in terms of on the field, I imagine how I feel about this year's group is similar to how, you know, media members and fans alike felt about the last wave of, you know, homegrown talent that came up and sort of took the reins of the club. And so, you know, now seeing Will Smith take an evolution into a true superstar, and I'm hopeful that as the season goes along, that the national uh, spotlight will shine on him as much as it should. Um, and then the emergence of guys like James Altman and Miguel Vargas, like, you know, that's the latest crop. And then you get into the the pitching prospects who are finding their way here. It just makes me really excited, anxious, optimistic that, you know, this run that the organization has been on, it's been about a decade now where they've absolutely dominated it. There's no signs of it slowing down. So 
I think it's really cool to kind of have watched this team over the first couple months now come together. And I know that there were stretches where there was a lot of angst and nervousness. Like, wait a second, are we, this is like a fan talking. Are we not good anymore? Like what is there are 500? <laughs> we can't, we can't get above 500. We can't get above. We can't win three in our four in a row. And I think it really was just that gelling process playing out. And, you know, there's so many trans guys going on and off the paternity list guys, not hundred percent healthy uh, guys coming off the world baseball classic, which, you know, no matter how you look at it, whether you played a lot or you didn't like it impacted your prep for this regular season. So it was just this team kind of finding their way to get on the same page. And obviously we've seen over the last week that the things are definitely clicking. And so uh, that was a, a long way of answering your question. The short of it is the Dodgers <laughs> are still awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. And I'm glad, I'm glad you said that too, because I, during the uh, preview episodes uh, of this season that we were doing, I was sort of saying, cause everyone was saying like, Oh, the Dodgers didn't spend big this off season. They didn't go out and get the big name free agents. Um, they're, they, they lost Trey Turner. They lost Justin Turner and they've lost a lot of pieces and they didn't really gain much back, but it was always my contention that this team was so much better than people were giving them, giving them credit for. And the way they started, I started to look like an idiot to start off the season, <laughs> but then they've turned it around, not only the bullpen, but the offense as well. And they're clicking right now and they're absolutely on fire. And this is the version of the team that I expected to see. Is that kind of what your, your thought process was? Definitely. I think the, the team, the players specifically in the, and the front office are probably the victim of a couple of things. It's the burden of expectation, which just that's comes with the job when you work for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm not saying that's an excuse. I just that. And then you're on the heels of a 111 win season that ended with uh, an abrupt appearance in the postseason where you're stunned by this, this team down the freeway that has been making a lot of headlines and finally slayed their dragon or whatever. And so when you, add that context together and then you get a slow start it's your greatest fears are uh, magnified so it's more of like a not to get like get too deep into it but i do think there's like a, a, a psychological element to that and how it just shifts your perspective as opposed to generally if you were to just take a thirty thousand foot view of the, the league a lot of players and asked say well you don't really know what a player is or who a player is or what a team is until you know, 40 games into a season or a quarter of the way through. So up to, you know, up to that point, you kind of just throw everything to the side. Um, and so I've always, I, I've tried to keep that mindset. And that's what I've learned the last handful of years at MLB Network and brought it here um, to bring it back to this Dodgers group specifically. I, I thought, and I agreed with a lot of the media members who tra- cover the team in our pre season conversations like hey how many wins do you think this team's worth and, and i think the the scope was between 92 and, and 97 but that was really like so that that was the window that a lot of people were looking at so that's a that's a damn good ball club it's a really good team right if you if you're winning 97 games a year <laughs> that's fantastic is it 111 no but i i mean those teams are generational right so uh, I, this team is tracking toward what I and I think uh, you and a lot of other folks thought it just took them a little bit to get rolling. So on on a different note, 
it feels like Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Jacob deGrom are often the pitchers that the general public want to talk about the most. And I'm not trying to start a narrative because he gets a lot of love too, but Clayton Kershaw, I feel like sometimes gets lost in the conversation because his greatness might just get taken for granted because it's almost expected. But has your perspective uh, changed a little bit following the team the last couple of months, making you appreciate Kershaw even more as just a generational talent? Yeah, and it, and that's and that's even knowing that I didn't not appreciate him before. You know, I've always referred to him as a first ballot Hall of Famer, not just one of the great lefties in his generation, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. And numbers bear that out. I mean, <laughs> the highest winning percentage of all the 200 win pitchers, um, best ERA in the modern era. Like, you know, the list goes on and on with Clayton. For me, where the appreciation has grown is seeing how he has um, – risen to the like he's just stood up every single time this year and it's i don't know we're a couple months or a couple months in here there's only you know less than less than 10 starts yet but there have been some moments where the team needed him to give a classic kershaw performance and he he's done it right so it's whether it was getting win 200 there in Milwaukee when the bullpen was absolutely taxed and gassed. Like he is just, <laughs> I mean, nutted up for the lack of a better term. Like he's, he's <laughs> been, it's been unreal. And so I'm, I think the last broadcast I was doing with Don Terrell, like we were going to break and I just yelled out like you're 16 because, and that, it was just like us looking at each other being like, can, can you believe that this greatness has continued and it's honestly like a, it's almost even ascending. It's not like straight line. He's, he's been up to start the year and it's just, it truly is mind blowing for one of the best of all time who everybody knows is on the back nine of his career, right? He's going year to year. We know that the end is near and yet his production says that, I mean, he, he he's just getting warmed up maybe. I don't know. Um, so I think that's where my uh, respect and, appreciation for Clayton Kershaw has grown the most this year. I kind of want to ask you about Dontrell Willis because I, I really appreciate him and he has not had that many opportunities in the booth uh, in the grand scheme of things. And, and Joe and Oral are great, obviously, but what is it oh, like yeah. to, what is it like to work with Dontrell Willis? He's so like, he's such a unique voice. I feel he's funny. And he's got really great takes. His insight is just so uh, cerebral as well. Um, those are just my the, my takeaways. But what is it like to be in the booth with him? I think you guys have a great chemistry. Thank you, man. I appreciate you saying that. I, you know, we, it was a very fast friendship for Dontrell. We have a, a lot of mutual friends in the business. Like I got to work pretty close with, with CY Chris Young and, and CC Sabathia, and, and obviously those guys are are really tight. And so. We know a lot of the same people and I, I've always loved Dontrell and his energy, his love for the game. And so I, I had a feeling that we would click uh, right away. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I feel anyway, it's a totally subjective business. I, I understand that, but I felt like we, we did, we hit the ground running his style. Uh, just as an analyst, I think it works well with my style as play by play. And, and you mentioned, you know, Joe and Oral, like they, they are, the A-team for a reason. Joe's the voice of baseball for a reason. And Oral is so good 
at what he does. I like was blown away uh, working with him for my first 12, 13 games. Just the amount of polish that Joe and Oral have together. It's sort of like unsettling just how good, good they are. But what, what I love about the group as a whole is there are so many different um, personalities and styles that you really can get a ton of different experiences when watching a game this year. And I, I, for one, really enjoy that. I think it's good to kind of switch things up here and there. I just view, think of life that way. I know that uh, folks, especially Dodger fans, who had Mr. Scully and only Mr. Scully every game, every year, that consistency means something to them, right? And a certain style means something to them. I, and I don't hold anything against those people, but I think it's really cool to, to be a part of this group. Um, last thing to answer more specifically about Dontrell. Um, what I love the most about him is that it is like what you hear and see during a game on the air is what you would see and hear if you were hanging out with D-Train off camera. And that's how it should be. I hate, I call them red light people and this business has a lot of them where they're different. Once the red light comes on, I, I you know, I, I think that the, 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 who you are on the air should be a reflection of who you are off the air and vice versa. Um, and Dontrell is definitely that. And I, I love that he, if, if a ball is hit, he's going to react as if we would just watching a game as a fan. Uh, um, so I, I really enjoyed my first few games with them. I'll have a few more later this summer, I believe, when the Dodgers are in Arizona. Now, don't quote me on that, but I'm, I think that's the next time we work together, and uh, I'm, I can't wait. Red light people. I like that phrase. I think I might use that. That's a really good one. Um, just to jump off that point, and then, and then Kevin can get in here, um, since we're on the subject of broadcasters, I kind of want to know, I mean – Around the league, you listen to a lot of games, you watch a lot of games. Who are some of the broadcasters out there right now um, that you kind of look to or maybe admire mm -hmm. or maybe take a little bit from? Yeah, I'll take Joe off the table, right? Because he's just too perfect and I can't, <laughs> I, just, I just can't with him. No, he's kidding aside, he's tremendous, obviously. So outside of Joe, you know, it's no secret that. You know, my fandom was with the Chicago White Sox all my life. So, you know, I to go from Hawk Harrelson to Jason Benetti was has been such a joy. I, I don't know Jason very well personally. You know, we've just interacted a few times, uh, but he is a phenomenal person and a great ambassador, um, not just for the White Sox, uh, but for sports broadcasting as a whole. I love his style. He doesn't take himself too seriously. None of us should. We're, we're talking sports ball, you know, it's like, what are we doing? It's all right. Uh, it ain't that deep. So, you know, his understanding of that, his chemistry with Steve stone, who's the analyst for the white Sox. Um, it's fun. Uh, it goes off the rails at the right times, but they teach you stuff. Uh, you learn a lot. And when it's a big moment, they're always ready for it. So I I'm a big fan of them. Um, Gary Cohen, Ron Darling, and Keith Hernandez, that's like a, the booth has become bigger than the team in a lot of ways <laughs> over their tenure. Um, and their, their, their popularity is, I mean, gosh, we, I heard a lot of chirping last year. You know, you always do when you're 
a, a national broadcast and you kind of parachute in and you knock away the team's broadcast for, for a day, the Met fans were for the loudest by far because we don't have – they don't even go by their names anymore. They're just letters. It's GKR. So it's like – Wow. You know, yeah. But what I'm getting at is it's very difficult to have a three-person – Ooh, that is not easy to pull off, but th- but they do it because there's complimentary. You got Ron's a pitcher, Keith hitter and fielder, and then Gary's the, the season pro. So I think those are the two boosts that come to mind. Um, Jeff Levering is a has been a friend and mentor of mine for a long time. He's part of the Milwaukee Brewers broadcast crew, and you know their depth chart is stupid too. So I would say those those three would uh, would be the first that come to mind after Joe. Love it. All right. Well, Stephen, we had a. Six games with the Padres so far. Dodgers are up up 5-1 in the series. After that little uh, Kershaw-Jumbotron incident, the Padres' bats have been kind of awfully quiet. So I want to get your thoughts on a couple things. In this most recent homestand, Padres only scored four runs in the three-game sweep. Are you a little bit surprised how slow of a start the Padres are off to so far this season? A little bit. A little bit. And I'll tell you why it's not like crazy amount. I mean, I I think... Um, the general sense is what the hell is happening in San Diego. I, I just, I do think it's really hard when you have, um, I, I, I was going to say like uh, a mercenary mentality, but that's really too dramatic and harsh for what I'm actually saying about them. <laughs> what they, they're, they're, they don't have a lot of homegrown pieces. Um, and a lot of the names and faces are superstars, but they have been dropped together in recently and they haven't had a lot of time to, to gel. Right. So similar to the conversation we were having earlier about this year's Dodgers team, every team has to go through that, that get to know you process. And when you have, you know, one of your franchise lightning rods and Fernando Tatis Jr. suspended, and not with the team for a, a long time now, you know, up until his, his recent return, like that is, that's not just like someone you you're adding in at the back end of the roster who has to double Dutch and like, you know, feel things out. That is one of your dudes. And so I, I guess I'm just kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're all superstar caliber players and water tends to find its level to steal that cliche and they just haven't found it yet. They've, they've had one guy gets hot the other guy's cold. The guy who was cold gets hot. The guy who was hot gets cold. And so, um, but it is like the fact that it's gone along this, this long. And the fact that Bo Mel, Bob Melvin is one of the more respected people in any dugout has had to multiple times, publicly try and light a fire under this team that it's a, it gives me a little cause for concern, but I'm, I'm going to take the patient approach and say that uh, this team will wake up at some point. If it doesn't, then um, that would, that would be a huge stunner, but up to this point, just, just a little surprise. Right. Yeah. Now that they get to avoid the Dodgers, they'll probably heat up. I mean, Machado went (laughs) 0 for 11 in this last series on the year, they've done a really good job of containing Juan Soto. He's hitting 200 in the six games with only one walk and just one yeah. solo home run. It's, um, I mean, that one's that that's wild to me. No, Juan is, is someone I, I covered him as a as a rookie, and 
uh, I've covered the Nationals in in that uh, that 2019 run to the World Series. Um, watching Juan's evolution uh, has been a sight to behold, but it took a turn last year because of the negotiations with the Nationals. And I know I think Joe and Oral have had a couple conversations about it uh, on the air. You know, you're, you're turning down multi generational. <laughs> numbers right in terms of wealth and that changes a human uh, changes a family and I, I i do think that he and he's still really young right we we kind of for, forget because he's been in the league for so long but he's still a young kid and so there's there's still some maturing and growing that that he is going through but uh, to see him struggle the way he has since the since the trade is uh, that one that one for sure is uh, probably the biggest stunner Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the on the on the Padres front. I just feel like there's too much talent in that room to yeah. for them to not get it together at some point. Um, yep. but I I just I just find it kind of funny that everyone thought they were just gonna run away with this division. And yeah. I, I was looking at this and and I mean the Dodgers beat them by like 20 games last year. And I just mm-hmm. was looking at these teams, I was like, there's no way that just just oh. based on these trades and these moves that they made, that they would make up that that gap. Yeah, and Jake, the you know what's what's crazy about that is that it, it was everybody outside the clubhouse. The guys in that Padre, like Joe Musgrove, has said they kicked our ass. They have owned us. You know, it's not like a hey, we're close. No, it's been pure domination. It's been it's been nothing but Dodgers. And yes, they were the ones who landed uh, the decisive blow in last year's postseason. But on the whole, the gap between the two organizations, both in production. And philosophy, they're two. They're two totally different, two totally different things. Um, and so, if there's been, there's a lot of, I don't say pressure, but there, there's just a lot on that clubhouse to figure it out. Because, um, as I said earlier, Dodgers aren't going anywhere. You know, you don't just you don't um, uh, ship out all your prospects and spend all your money and and take over like that. Like, you know, um, it just, it, that's not how this business works. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for four 99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or seven up all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I got one more baseball-related question for you, Stephen. Then we're going to get into the fun stuff. We're going to get to really know you and get some of your takes on things. Um, So just wanted to hear like one storyline, whether it's around the league in general or Dodgers internally, that's been interesting to you. Oh, see, I struggle with the, like this, the, those vague questions. Cause I could go in a million different directions. Yeah. Um, tell, tell him his questions are vague, Steven. No, 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 no. That would be, it's, it, <laughs> I, I learned very early in, uh, as a, a sports reporter in Eugene, Oregon, that that's the, some the simplest questions and the, are, they lead to the best answers. I, I always ask, I would ask the dumb questions because then you get, then you get fun answers, but that's another right topic of conversation i would say i mean the 
This is a bit of a default cop-out answer, but the, the continued struggles of the Chicago White Sox, you know, uh, I, I guess it's, you can sort of tie the two together. What we're talking about with the, with the Padres and, and the White Sox, just in terms of like perception versus, versus actual output. Um, I felt this way last year. I felt teams would, or people would continually reference the White Sox. Like this is one of the more, this, this group has too much talent. Like this group has too much talent to be struggling like this. Yeah. And my response to that was like, I think people, you guys are getting caught up on their prospect profiles. Prospect profiles are very different than backs of baseball cards, right? Because, um, Yohan Moncada, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, you know, all of them have been touted as um, the next great thing. You know, Moncada initially with Boston, Eloy with the Cubs, and then Robert with the White Sox, Cuban Mike Trout. Well, at a certain point, you are what your resume says you are as a professional baseball player. I'm not saying that that talent's not, not in there or it's gone. There's still all pretty young, but I think we have to stop looking at them for what we thought or hoped they would be and look at them for what they are. Now, mm. I would say organizationally, it's the most, um, it's the polar opposite of the, the Dodgers. It's the more most dysfunctional, perhaps uh, baseball front office that there is, um, which is really sad to me. Um, obviously there's, there's a little bit of personal angst when I say that, um, uh, but they, you know, they're, Jerry Reinsdorf went out of his way to hire Tony LaRussa. And obviously Tony's not there now, but there's no denying the impact that those two years had. You took one of the more fun and energetic teams in baseball and you sucked the life out of it. You cut off the legs from your front office, which didn't want to hire Tony. They wanted to hire A.J. Hinch. That deal was done. Um, and... You brought in Tony, who again, he was just, yeah. And then, and then they've been bad in every facet fundamentally. So, uh, I thought Pedro Grafol. I still do. I think he's he's a he's a great baseball man who's waited a long time for his shot, but he's been put in a really tough situation. And obviously, out of the gates, they're really scuffling. And it's only the only thing, only thing people are doing when they talk about the White Sox now is figuring out who they're trying to trade off the roster. Yeah. So that's not that's not a fun thing for any clubhouse to go through. Yeah, I think you brought I, up. Go ahead, Jake. No, I was just gonna say because you mentioned Jason Benetti, what what that's like for him to sit in that booth every night and watch that team versus yourself, you know, watching the Dodgers every night. Yeah, and like shoot, again, they even treated him like you know, and he's been open about like he just went through contract negotiations and how difficult they were and it's just like really like Benetti and Stone like the really the one consistently happy good thing you have going like that's what you're gonna decide as an organization we're gonna play hardball with and treat terribly but that you know that's just that's uh, yeah, not everybody can be the Dodgers I understand that um, but uh, that 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 organization's got a lot of soul searching to do before uh, they can see greener pastures again. Yeah. You brought up a number of great points, including the mistake that was the Tony La Russa hire. Didn't understand that one. And then it, it just seems like they need a complete culture shift. It looks like a lot of the guys are just down now. Every game. The life is gone. Everything we saw in 2020, Kevin, right. That, that you're getting at. It's just, it's not there anymore. And 
Um, you, you don't just snap your fingers and have that come back. Uh, so things have turned into quicksand there for sure. Yeah, they seem like the team that's most likely to just blow it up any month now, unfortunately for them. Bring us bring us Tim Anderson, please. <laughs> you see, and that's the thing, CA, man. Like, gosh, if ugh, it would just it like it does not compute that it's even a possibility that the White Sox would trade TA, uh, just what he's meant to the city and the team over the last handful of years. But you know, he's he's <clears throat> hasn't been hundred percent healthy. His powers kind of evaporated um i don't really know exactly uh why that is but uh vibes are bad vibes are bad and uh, i i I love love tim anderson i I love lucas giolito i love lance Lynn. like i'm really a fan of all those those guys as as player people in addition to players so I, i hope they can turn it around but i i agree with what what you guys are saying it does seem like they're getting toward blow it up territory all right let's get some quick takes on some pop culture stuff let's hopefully you you uh have other interest outside of baseball <laughs> music, I have, music. A, I have a soon soon to be two-year-old my pop culture knowledge has evaporated uh, <laughs> music wise what are you yeah. into <laughs> music wise what am i into uh i like a little bit of everything didn't get into the uh the uh, the club, the dance EDM club scene, big, a uh, big Motown guy. Um, All right. So I think you know the gray hair generally throws people off. That's where the old, the oldies come in. Um, Love Motown. I'm, yeah, I'm a, a huge. That's that's kind of like the majority of what what I listen to just to settle in. But uh, I mix in a lot. Mixing. Cool. Yeah. Show, All right. Yeah, so shows. What what shows you dig in? Are you into reality shows? Yeah, right now it's um, <laughs> it's a lot of Mighty Beam, uh, Mighty uh, what, what, uh, Masha and the Bear, uh, Puff and Rock. Um, <laughs> uh, these are all ch- children's digital programs. <laughs> no wonder uh, no <laughs> they sound like they sound like psychedelics, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I will say for if. Uh, all the parents out there who watch Bluey, that's one of those genius shows where it's found a way to like communicate with kids, but also be highly entertaining for the parents. So Bluey is awesome. Uh, kidding aside, I think my wife and I, we uh, succession. Uh, awesome. We're, we're kind of all over the place too. I mean, Ted Lasso, you, uh, billions, um, you know, these these are the ones that are still going now. Like I, you know, I love Sopranos and. Um, do you have a Do you have an all time favorite show? All time favorite show, probably Sopranos. Yeah, classic. Probably Sopranos. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, gosh, there's Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul was good. Like, they, they, and there have been some really, really good, good pieces of television. As you can see, like I, I, I like to mix it up. I like a little bit of everything. And any bold take? Any bold predictions on Ted Lasso? How it ends? We're still because again with the with the tiny human we're trying to keep alive here at home. We're we are behind. I don't know how many episodes. I think we're I think we're one or two behind. Um, Same. No, no real bold. I don't know if it's bold to think that okay, eventually Ted's gonna pack it up and and head home, and and then Roy will will take over. It certainly seems like that's where the show is heading. Um, 
and they are really they're preparing us for that face turn to steal a wrestling term uh face turn to steal a wrestling term when it comes to nate um you know they're gonna make him a good guy before things are all said and done i just can't imagine that that show is gonna end on some like <laughs> sopranos-esque or like <laughs> shocking ending that people are talking about for decades to come yeah yeah it's still anything great else? though it's very wholesome still very wholesome we anything else that. you want to squeeze in there jake for pop culture um do you have a a favorite uh actor or actress favorite actor yeah the, the knee-jerk reaction like the first name i thought of was denzel washington but like i need to say Washington. <laughs> right. he, has, he has one name he has one name um as opposed to go. Denzel Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> Denzel Mims, I don't know, <laughs> random football player. Um, I'm trying to think of like an off the beaten path uh, actor. Uh, no, no, I'll just go with Denzel. Don't overthink it. Don't waste any more of your guys' time. Beautiful. I like it. All right. Well, everyone, hope you enjoyed That's the it. interview. That's Steven. all. That's it. Steven, was there any other any other final thoughts you wanted to throw out there? Any questions you have for us? We have a few minutes, so. Um, and I I always say like, I know that being um, the the new person is is that comes with some stuff, right? Nobody knows that better than Joe would take the torch from an icon and Mister Scully. Um, and so I. I I will say that I appreciate, I've been blown away. My family and I've been blown away by the, um, the fan base. They've been really welcoming in a way that I was, I've been stunned by pleasantly. Um, and really patient with like, okay, like this, this guy's definitely not as buttoned up as, as Joe is, or as, uh, as polished a broadcaster, but that doesn't mean that he can't, um, give us an entertaining uh, a broadcast. And so just the, that, again, that warm welcome, that grace and patience, it, it really has meant a lot to, to me and my family. Like we're coming in here like, oh, shit. Oh, excuse me. I don't know if I could. Yeah, yeah let loose. Could... You can, okay. we're, we're not under FCC yeah. rules here. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great point, Jake. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I was, I was like, oh, shit. Like there's, People are gonna be like, oh, they hired they hired the Apple guy. Like, yeah, I, you, know, <laughs> you know, I, I like truthfully, I was very, I didn't know how it was how it was gonna play out, and um, I guess I'm what, fifteen games in or whatever it's been. Um, so far, it's just been exceeded every every expectation and put every fear to bed. So, uh, and it is okay if you're on the other side of the fence. That's the it's. Like I said, it's such a subjective business, so um, it's all right. But I just want to say thanks uh, to you guys for, um, again, allowing me to come on and have this conversation with you guys and uh, the fan base as a whole for putting their arms around my family. That's beautiful. And hey, you know, as much as you can show your personality, I think the better. I mean, I think that's what I, when I was first, when I mentioned Dontrell Willis, that's what kind of grabbed me initially was that he's just himself. And when you guys yeah. are together, you guys are yourselves. And I don't, I, I don't think personally, anybody would really want someone that's so buttoned up that you can't really <laughs> tell who they are. Um, So that that's, that's the only thing I would say. 
Yeah, I I, mean, I probably also should not have uh, said just the tip on Ben Scully Day, um, but, <laughs> or, but but Oral put me in a in that spot, and then I uh, <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> just no. blame Oral, just blame Oral. It's fine. <laughs> Hershiser guy. Tips, no, orals. No. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, Kevin. <laughs> Attaboy. Uh, that's a great. Know, that's like, a great way to end this. That is. That is. Chef's that kiss way to end. Beautiful, it. Kevin. I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna get in the way of the ending. That, that, that's how we. That's how we lay out. Well, you're doing great, Stephen. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Incline Daughters podcast. And we'd love to have you back very soon. Talk more, uh, all kinds of things. Hey, Kevin, Jake, you guys, anytime, again, you're willing to burn an episode, I'd, I'd be happy to do it. Thanks again. We have David Rosenthal in. He wasn't able to join us earlier. He was out working in the field, but we had a great interview with Stephen Nelson. So I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Uh, it was it was fun. Jake, I don't know if you had anything else to add. Oh, no, it was great. It was a great interview. Great talk. He was um, really candid. And uh, yeah, I appreciated his takes. I felt like I I, I had very similar takes to him uh, on a lot of different subjects. So I was I was happy to hear also his his list of broadcasters that he likes is really cool. I was so on par with me, Jason Benetti and Gary Cohen. I've always said that, too. So um, it was it was awesome. The interview was recorded before the Dodgers played the Twins Tuesday evening. Now we're recording after the Dodgers have played the Twins Tuesday evening. Their record stands at 27 and 16. They're currently two and a half above the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're seven ahead of the San Diego Padres. Uh, I didn't realize the Diamondbacks were that close to us in the standings. Right now, the Dodgers are split in this three game series with the Twins after falling Tuesday evening. It was a stinker, but those happen. They were on a six-game winning streak, so it's all good. They got one more, Dustin May against Sunny Gray, and then they're off to St. Louis for four games, so that'll be interesting. The Cardinals have been kind of reeling, but they're starting to pick it up. But that's not what you guys want to hear about. You want us to talk about this Padre series. You want us to talk about other rants and hot takes, so we'll get into that in just a second. But wanted to do a quick shout-out. Uh, proud sponsor of the Incline Dodgers podcast is TickPick. I don't know if Jake or David are planning to go to any events soon. Are you guys going to any games or concerts soon? I might go to an Oakland A's game where tickets are $7 for front row seats. So with the tick pick discount, it'd probably be $3. No service fees at checkout when you use tick pick and download the app. I was just scrolling through some concerts today for a sold out show for this up and coming band called Lovejoy and tickets all of a sudden opened up on tick pick. They went from being sold out to like $10 tickets. So you never know. Just download this app, check it out. You can go see the Lakers for probably slightly cheaper than anywhere else. You can go watch the Dodgers play, uh, whether local or on the road. But yeah, enough of that. Tick pick, proud sponsor of the Incline Dodgers. All right. Well, Clayton Kershaw, much respect to him for going out there after having a very tough situation. I don't know if it gets much tougher than losing your mother the day before Mother's Day. But he went out there. He did all right. He threw four innings. He gave up. Two runs, still had seven strikeouts, a number of hits allowed. Dodgers ended up losing this game more because the offense couldn't do anything. They went two for 12 with runners in scoring position. But it's not really a game I want to talk about. Is there anything you guys wanted to focus on in these last two games against the Minnesota Twins? I just want to say really quickly about tonight's game. It was uh, a game that 
Obviously, the Dodgers not only couldn't manufacture runs, they couldn't hit the ball out of the park either. But that bottom of the fourth was kind of where I thought was a, a golden opportunity for them. Muncie let off with a double and then uh, J.D. Martinez singled him to third. So it was first and third, nobody out. Then we had Altman strikeout swimming, swinging, Peralta struck out swinging. And then they tried that weird double steal because I guess they didn't trust Miguel Rojas in that spot to uh, deliver with a two out hit. And it just felt like there were a ton of these opportunities all night. And the only run that they scored was on a fly ball single that Michael A. Taylor basically just it popped out of his mitt. So uh, really frustrating night for the offense. But the night before, I think we should talk about Phil Bickford a little bit. Hell yeah, dude. Um, that was an unbelievable performance to go from zero to hero in one outing like he did is kind of remarkable. I mean, it looked like at the beginning when he loaded the bases and walked in a run that, oh boy, they're going to absolutely obliterate him. And then he found something within, I don't know what it was, but he was lights out from that point on and didn't allow anything else. I know what it was. It was, he was fighting for his damn job is what it was. (laughs) He knew what just happened to Vessia. Vessia just got sent down for struggling. Bickford hasn't necessarily been lighting the world on fire. The only difference is he doesn't have any options left. They can't send him to AAA. If he's going out of here, he's going out for good in terms of a DFA and probably getting claimed by someone else. So Phil Bickford, after not looking like he could hit water out of a boat the first three batters, no control, just turned it up to Eric Gagne level and shut them the hell down, fighting for his damn job, fighting for his life and becoming an absolute hero, throwing God knows how many pitches over seven innings of relief. And now is basically secured his job as the guy that can do that because nobody else in the bullpen's thrown 50 pitches for no, you know, that's just not happening. He's that guy. Also trace Thompson, a, uh, a quality take of the night. You know, it really shows it really shows you that like you really do need all 26 guys on your roster at some point. And Phil Bickford for doing that when the Dodgers didn't have any options in the bullpen. They didn't want to bring in Phillips. They uh, didn't want to bring in Gratterall. Uh, or no, they brought in Phillips in that game. Phillips they didn't want to the save. Yeah, not, not Gonzalez and Gratterall. Gonzalez and Gratterall. Exactly. They he they had nobody left. So, you know, the fact that that he was able to do that for this team is is just yeah. uh, it's, those- it's it's great. Of those three years that we've had with Phil Bickford, that performance was the most I've ever been impressed by him. That was his legacy game. The 10th inning was Rocky 1, the 11th inning was Rocky 2, and the 12th inning was Rocky 4, where he took out Drago. (laughs) It was electric. Spoiler alert, dude. If you haven't seen that by now, get a life. Um, (laughs) But you mentioned he doesn't have options, which is true. But another guy who's been really struggling and also I discovered doesn't have options is Yancy Almonte, who gave up three runs in that outing as well. Does he not have options? Apparently he doesn't. I, I thought he did, but Fangraph says he doesn't. He has hmm. a 727 ERA, a 504 FIP. K rate is really low, giving up a ton of hard contact as well. Opponents are hitting a. Well, the bat pip is 327, so it's awfully high, so. Didn't he do better though in that Padre series? I felt like he had a few he, outings. He was in a on. Row. He was on a run. Yeah, he had like four or five scoreless outings, and then he imploded. And his numbers have just still been bad, even despite that little hot streak. So it's really no secure job, I guess, for either or. It's going to be a tough decision if they eventually have to get rid of one of these guys. If 
Daniel Hudson's knee can ever get it together. And Alex Reyes starts to get healthy and JP fire Eisen doesn't pull uh, Danny Duffy on us. Hey, watch it. <laughs> uh, speaking of trace Thompson, I think that's an appropriate question coming from one of our listeners even though we did a whole segment on him last week. So maybe you should listen to that episode on how, on how we feel, but this goes out to one of our most loyal listeners, Steve M Dodge 16 underscore 12. What do they do about trace Thompson? Ah, you know, I think it can't hurt to just keep him around for a little bit longer and hope. That's what I was going to say. Cause what, what are you going to do? They, so the way I look at it, they just called up, Pajes and DeLuca to AAA from Tulsa. So those guys are just getting their taste of AAA. So I think the plan should be ride it out at least at least another month minimum. Uh, see how these guys do on AAA. By, by that point, you're going to be getting closer to the trade deadline. Some teams are going to be making players available. You'll have a better idea of what you can get, what it'll cost. You need someone who's going to hit lefties. That's, that's what you need. And with the logjam of Peralta... Hayward and uh, Chris Taylor in, in left field as is, if you're going to play Outman uh, every day, there's, you know, Thompson's not doing much besides, you know, collecting dust. So I, I think it's, it's wise to just wait and see for a little bit longer. Oh, I agree. And what, what I'll say about this is, is this, I mean, with guys like Thompson and Peralta, those guys that are, that are struggling at, uh, a little bit at the plate, Hayward, the Dodgers are still winning games. You know, they just, yeah. they just lost, you know, tonight, but they won six in a row. They steamrolled through the Padres, which we'll get into in a little bit, but they're not losing these games because they have these guys in their roster. They can afford to let them kind of figure it out. And once we get into Ju- June and July, you know, then we got to, you got to reassess. Um, but right now they're, they're not hurting this team in terms of the wins and losses. Now, what we can do is prevent us pro- from putting a lineup out there that consists of Barnes and Rojas at the at the bottom of the order. That's tough. That's a tough. Uh, that's tough to roll out when you when you take out Vargas and uh, Smith out of the lineup. Like we, we got to do a better job of balancing that because that that's a you know a black hole as we get down to the bottom of the order. Unfortunately, I would DFA Thompson tomorrow. There's absolutely no point to roster him at this point. If you're going to have well, an automatic who you, who you, bat. Who are you bringing up? I'm ready to call up Johnny DeLuca. I saw he enough of him. just got to AAA. I don't care. There's been tons of guys that made the leap from AA to the majors. He's hitting 409 against lefties in Tulsa. He has 1,364 OPS. If, there's, if they're going to go on a run against lefties, you can start him in left field. That's perfectly fine with me. We're about to face... Uh, St. Louis will probably get Montgomery at least once. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head what other lefties St. Louis might have, but they have relievers. I know he's not going to get every day at bats and that might hurt his development, but he's already on the 40 man roster. So it's not like you have to DFA somebody important to bring him up. So I'm ready to give DeLuca an opportunity. Look, I'm not, I don't disagree that I wouldn't hate to see him up, but you and I both know the Dodgers aren't going to do that. They're not calling him up after they just called him up from double A AA to triple A. They're just not going to do that. And and honestly, like I, I think it's smart to just give him a couple weeks in triple A, see how that goes. I mean, it's not like Thompson is starting anyway. And if you're going to call that guy up, you might as well play him every day, which is what they're going to do in triple A. So I hear you. I, I think they're both have deserved to potentially be considered even right now. But 
everybody on this show and everybody listening knows it's not how the Dodgers do it. They think very well could though. I mean, James Altman, who is in a major funk as well. I mean, he's batting 191 over his last 47 at bats. And they say, yeah, can we let's talk about him? There's something going on with him where he needs to make the adjustment because opposing pitchers have learned to just throw the high fastball in the zone and he's swinging and missing on just about everything. I don't know. He's not getting the strikes anymore down in the zone where he's very comfortable. They're throwing him either the off speed or the high pitch. And it's going to really come down to RVS to make the adjustments because there's been a lot of, you know, backlash towards Vance Skoyak. And this is another example of a guy struggling. So it's really important for Altman to make the adjustments, especially if he's going to get into the slump. We can't afford to go through what we did last season where we have all these automatic outs in our outfield and then Mookie Betts. I, I just I, I'm not really understanding what what's going on with him, because, yes, you know, is he chasing outside the zone? Yes. You know, that's sort of a, a correctable thing. But there are a lot of pitches where I see him just with like right down the middle, like that he's just not making contact with. And I just looked it up because I was thinking, like, he's got to be somewhere near the top in the majors and strikeouts. He's actually third in the majors with strikeouts. He has 54 uh, behind Teoscar Hernandez, who is 59, and Matt Olson, who is 61. So he, it, he's striking out at an alarming rate. We knew this, though. This was the knock on him before the season. He was this. He was not. He was doing this in AAA as well. I mean, that's that's the whole. I don't think it was and, this and, bad, though. No, but I mean, it's you know. No, this is. I mean, yes, you 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 take some good with some bad with some guys, but this is this is worse than that. I, yeah, I'm not sounding the panic alarm obviously pitchers have a scouting report on him and that scouting report if you have eyes is to throw him up in the zone there's a giant hole in his swing right now where if you throw it above his you know i guess navel or whatever the breastbone is uh that's where the hole is and that's where the pitchers are throwing him and he knows it and he's trying to adjust to it which is causing him to react poorly on other pitches outside of that spot so that's what's happening He's just got to work through it. He should still be playing every day. It's the only way to get out of it is to just keep getting more at-bats. If it's up to RVS, I'm scared, frankly. Because I, 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 how that guy has been free from criticism for the past four years is, is baffling to me. Three years. It's because we just acquired another player in the offseason that has fully endorsed him. And J.D. Martinez. Who cares? Well, you want to come play for the Dodgers? You want to come play for Robert Van Skoyak? I'm just saying that he's, you know, he's kind of got tenure protection. I don't know. I think Dave Roberts gets way too much crap and RVS doesn't get enough crap. I think it's just a general fan doesn't know who the team's hitting coach is. And that's why. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sure. A lot of casuals, but I think people listening to this know who that is. But I mean, yeah, I mean, Jason Hayward's one for 17, 059. And yeah. it's just yeah, and every, what is the what is the fascination? Why, with why are we hitting third? him third? Yeah. Why are we hitting him third? I, I don't Dave understand. Roberts, such I, a Dave Roberts move. I just don't understand with the level of production we're getting from him, why he's batting third. And then you end up pinch hitting. You, you, you pinch hit for your number three hitter tonight yeah. with Chris Taylor. Which it was totally the right move, although you, I, I would have considered Will Smith if we were really serious in that spot. But I guess wanting to give him a full day off, I guess that was the idea. But you're pinch hitting your number three hitter with Chris Taylor. Like, what? what I don't understand why then he shouldn't be batting third if you're going to have to 
platoon him at some point. That's our cleanup hitter, Chris Taylor, against lefties for the record. Well, yeah, he's, he's he's been a lot better, and he flew out. Yes, he has been a lot better. But I'm just saying that if you're going to bat the guy third, you can't pinch hit for him with the freaking bases loaded. Yeah, I do they, not disagree. It's a pretty flawed roster, and there's another position player that aligns with a question that will go into further depth in a few minutes. But let's talk about this Dodgers Padres series recap. Five one is the series score. Dodgers have won five straight after the Jumbotron incident that we talked about earlier with uh, Steven Nelson. The Padres really haven't done anything. They scored four runs in three games. Manny Machado went 0 for 11 in the series. Juan Soto had has had one home run, and that's about it so far against the Dodgers. After being pretty hot in the first series, Tatis Jr. didn't do anything in Dodger Stadium. I haven't seen Jake Cronenworth do anything. Xander Bogarts is ice cold, too. Joe Musgrove had a very pedestrian performance. Blake Snell, eh. What all I'm trying to say is that the Padres have not looked impressive at all against the Dodgers. Nope. And they never have. No, they really haven't, except for the NLDS last year. But even then, it was just the Dodgers were like one for 60 with runners in scoring position. So, the obviously, the Padres are not playing up to their roster, not playing up to their potential. But I think there is definitely a psychological aspect to this at this point as well i think it doesn't really matter who the dodgers throw out there i think the the padres even with the nlds victory last year over the dodgers are still trying to get over the little brother syndrome i i really think that's what's going on it's like michigan and michigan state it's like the only thing michigan state thinks about is beating big brother that's it that's the only thing but how much of that how much of that is the players and how much of that is the fan base and, and the organization? I mean, do you feel like that's how it is inside the clubhouse? So I No, I, I don't think that is, but these guys are humans. They know what's been going on. They know what happens between these two fan bases. And there is, there is an uncontrollable mental factor that plays into it that you can't keep out of your brain that creeps in to any major league player, whatever it is, whatever the situation is, there's an outside influence that has to creep into your mind. There's These guys are not, you know, the Buddha who can just channel perfect chi energy every single time they're out there. These, this, these, They're human beings, and I think that absolutely gets to them. Look, I'm not writing off the Padres just yet. I think that they, you know, they will figure it out at some point, and this roster is, is too talented for them not to at least figure it out at some yeah. point. However, if they don't, then I'm going to look at things like just the on-field, off-field distractions of Fernando Tatis Jr., the pressure of how how magnificent of an offseason they had coming off a uh, you know off beating the Dodgers in the playoffs, all of that momentum. I just think that the you know the pressure might be too much for for the guys on the field, and who the hell knows what's going on in that clubhouse? They seem to be doing. Fine when they win, they have that little pinata party in the clubhouse. Yeah, so that so seems stupid. that seems to be something they enjoy. But in terms of beating the Dodgers, they can't really put it together. But I'm not writing them off just yet. I I, I think it's it's too early for a team with that kind of firepower on it. Yeah, it's it is very early, and it's it's only a uh, mid May. But you have to ask the question: Do the Padres have an identity crisis right now? Who is the leader of that clubhouse? Like, who's the guy that's going to yell at everyone else to step it up? Because, I mean, Juan Soto is a great talent, but I don't really see leadership out of him. Fernando Tatis Jr. is way too immature to be the leader. Uh, You could argue Manny Machado might be one of the vocal. That's the guy. 
but how good is he in that role is the, is yeah. the question. Exactly. And then Xander Bogarts is a fresh face, so I don't think he's really implemented himself as a clubhouse leader. And then it seems like from the pitching standpoint, Joe Musgrove is the lead, yeah. is the leader there, but he hasn't really performed yet. But he he has had some setbacks due to injuries, so we'll see him get into a rhythm most likely. But yeah, they're going to get rolling at some point. It's just inevitable. But if they don't, it'll be freaking hilarious. <laughs> well, on the other on the other side of things, the Dodgers played so well against them. I mean, outside of that first game, um, the next five were just awesome. Uh, and especially that comeback in San Diego and and all the all the rest of the games that they had against them. I mean, they really they really just they outscored them, I think, 19 to seven in in those five games. Um, and the pitching the Dodgers bullpen was absolutely elite. Just so good. Everyone that came out of the pen was untouchable. Um, Two geniuses predicted that Freddie Freeman was going to go off and have a big series. And I think he batted like 455 in Los Angeles, had the three yeah. extra base hits, drove in numerous Dodgers. So we called that. Mookie Betts has been pretty good against the Padres as well. He's got like three or four, home, three home runs, I think a lot of them coming in the later innings too. So they're significant home runs. Yeah. And Max Muncy too had himself a series. He did. And then he went off against the twins and now he's up to 14 home runs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's got, he's, he's, his powers all the way back. I don't really have anything else to add about this Padre series other than Jake, I think brought up the point that their bullpen just laid it out on the line and really, solidified themselves so they looked postseason ready the last couple games they haven't looked so great but when it mattered most they absolutely stepped up i mean i'm gonna give justin brule a pass for giving up that two-run bomb tonight because that was like his third consecutive game in a row that he's pitched yeah but he's looked pretty good i mean his era is now about 253 yeah but before that it was it was like low ones so his whip is his whip is low he's striking guys out yeah he looks confident He's going oh, back down to AAA tomorrow, just so you know. Was was that confirmed? No, but they said they're going to make a move tomorrow, and, and he's the guy with options. He's pitched three days in a row. They got a six-game stretch, but another six games before an off day. So I, I think it'll be brutal if Almonte doesn't have options. Yeah. Got to manipulate the service time, I guess. But then that means he can't come up for like 10 days. I think they'll be okay with Sticky Vicky and uh, Ferguson. It's the nature of the beast sometimes. But point stands, he's been good. Uh, Shelby Miller's been decent. I mean, most of these guys have been phenomenal for the most part, other than the the recent uh, Monty slide and then Phillips blowing a, a save. Rare I was, was going to ask you guys about that. How, it, for me, it felt so strange, but how weird did it feel to see Evan Phillips actually make a mistake, you know, or like, dude, it's like, I feel like I haven't seen that in years. Um, yeah. it was just such a strange moment where I just, I wasn't even irritated or mad. I was just like, all right, you know, like he's human, I guess. Well, you can't be mad at him. No, you can't. But I just, I just had a weird feeling. I was just like, wow, that's something I've never seen before. It feels. Buxton's hitting the ball so hard that these look like singles and they somehow just roll a weird direction to the wall. Yeah, he he really. The guy's so talented. I like how they're keeping him at DH a lot more this year to try to keep him healthy. Also, we still can't throw anybody out on the base paths. Well, not with Barnes behind back there. Smith had one, I think, recently. 
Did he? I don't even remember that. Yeah, he did. It's, Somewhat it's, recently. It's bad. They, what is it, 88% success rate or something? Is yeah, it time it's, to it's is it time to talk about Cindergard maybe? What well, is there, what is there to say? He's just I mean, it's just we, it's, we don't know if he's healthy or it's just been very frustrating with him. Every start now is it's a ticking time bomb. He's coming out hurt two starts in a row. Then they say, oh, he should be ready for his next start. Then he comes out early again. I'm getting pretty fed up with him. That's 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 all I gotta say. I'm I'm pretty disappointed with his season. Yeah, I, I'm sort of I'm sort of teetering on the on the on that side of being done and also just being like, all right, let's just see if he can do something if he gets better or whatever. But the velocity hasn't been there. He's either getting shelled or he can't pitch past the fourth or fifth inning or at least one inning and win one start. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of half and half. I'm okay with him. I didn't have high expectations for him coming into this year. I think they just need a little bit more consistency in terms of the length from him. I think all they're going to try to ask of him is go five, maybe six innings, give up two or three runs. If you can get that out of him, great. I would bet money he will not be in the postseason rotation. Uh, ideally, Stone is along by then, has come along and has arrived by then. Possibly Walker Bueller, if you read the report today. Uh, wasn't a full. That was very tear. encouraging. Yeah, wasn't a full tear of his UCL. He's been throwing. Uh, he's shooting for a September return. Whether that be starting or relieving is to be determined. But back to Syndergaard, he's a number five. I mean, they just need him to pitch deeper into games. So what happened yesterday, and as a pitch. result today, yeah, exactly. Just just stay out there. Just pitch. <laughs> just do your job. Throw 100 pitches, get through five innings, and call it a day. I'm not asking you to be Randy Johnson out there. Just give up two runs in five innings. I'll take that. Yeah, two runs in five innings. That'd be great. That's I'll take that. That's all I want from him. It might be like four runs in six innings most nights, but... Well, some nights I'll he, take that he, too. At least he goes six. I, that's all I want is five, six every game. Yeah, just eat some innings, man. I don't think the Dodgers, if they hold up, I think our starting four in the postseason is fine. I mean, it's Arias, Kershaw, May, and Gonsolin. If that's the four that are healthy and in sync by then, you're chilling. That's a great four. I'm not holding my breath on Gonsolin being healthy. Uh, of course you're not. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm not. How many How many postseasons since he's been up here has he been healthy for? One? I, I mean, do we count 2021? Yeah, why wouldn't we? Was he hurt? So then 2020 and 2021. Well, you could say the same thing about May. I just hope they're both. I just hope they're both healthy because we really do. We really have to rely on them. Four of our five key guys are notoriously hurt, especially at times when it matters most. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put May in that category. I really wouldn't. Well, that was one injury. 21. Yeah, it's Tommy John though. Gonsolin, it's it's something new every time, and then it takes him. The, till the summer solstice to be warmed up again to pitch three innings. Well, let's see with May. I mean, he's really only had 2020 so far, and it was a short, condensed season. Uh, again, was, I'm just saying it's been one injury as opposed to Gonsolin well, two, it's, it's every he, year. Because he had a major setback last season, not related uh, to the yeah, Tommy John. I related to Tommy so John. So they're, they're, they're both in the same tier right now, and this is a big season for them. 
Can they pitch the whole year the rest of the way? I'm fine if they have to have a brief IL stint at some point so that they can have their innings reduced. I just don't want to see another two to three month forearm injury. That's when I'll get frustrated. Yeah. And yeah, we do have some guys coming up like the Gavin Stones, maybe Bobby Miller. And that would be great if they could be supplemental options, whether it's starting a later postseason game or coming out of the bullpen. We'll cross that bridge if we need to get there. But right now, the Dodgers are in a good spot with the rotation. And with Walker Buehler, it is encouraging to see that he could be back in September. But like every pitcher coming off Tommy John surgery, their mechanics always seem to be really wonky and it could take months to get in sync. So let's just wait and see if he's pitching in rehab for like a month. I might be more encouraged if it's more quicker than that. I don't know yet. Ways ahead, but interesting question. I think we're going to get this one a lot coming from flip one, six. What are the Dodgers trading for Tim Anderson or sorry? When are the Dodgers trading for Tim Anderson and who are we giving up for him? I think it's almost inevitable at this point that the Dodgers are going to have to move off from Miguel Rojas at shortstop. I don't know if that means that Chris Taylor's just going to have to take over the role because there aren't really other great options out there other than Tim Anderson potentially. But I mean, 183 average, 247 on base, 472 OPS for Rojas, one RBI. Gross. Yeah, even though he did only he scored the only run of the game tonight. Um, it's just not cutting it. Um, you know, we weren't expecting much. I think Joe talked about this during the broadcast. We weren't expecting much from him offensively, but you're at least expecting something. And, you know, with him and Austin Barnes hitting 083, like you can't have that in the same lineup. Yeah. You just can't. It's brutal. And it's fine to have them in the lineup occasionally, but to have them both in there at the bottom of the order, you you can't, I'm sorry, you can't do that. I don't think they're going to trade for Tim Anderson. I I really don't. Uh, Yeah, it's, it would be a good fit, obviously. Um, But I, I just really don't see that happening. I just don't. If he was a complete free agent, maybe. But because he's got the team option for next year, you're you're basically trading for a year and a half of him at a cheap price. It's not going to be cheap. White Sox aren't going to be forced to trade him because they, of that. They very well might be because this White Sox clubhouse, per what we're hearing, is a complete mess right now. And they might have to move these guys if they want to shake things up, get on the right path sooner rather than later. Tim Anderson's well, a very outspoken guy. And if he's really dragging down the clubhouse, then that's going to make it a lot easier and kind of force his way out of that cl- out of that t- organization. Did you see that clip of him and Jose Abreu where he's like, I can't, I can't stand it here. Or I hate I it. I don't know if that's what was said. I, I feel like that kind of got lost in the lip reading. I'm not ready to pin that on him yet. And then, and then Abreu said, I know dog. Like we got so many prospects. It, 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 like it did we, really look like that. Why would Jose Abreu agree to that though? He was there forever. Maybe he didn't um, like Tony Larusa. He was there under the Tony Larusa uh, stuff. Wasn't that only what was that two years? It was Max? two years. Okay, I missed Tony out there. Was, that was that, that was, was funny. That was the prime. Let's win now mode for the White Sox, and they chose Larusa so so bad. But back to why the Dodgers could get Tim Anderson. We have so many freaking prospects. Like we cannot forward all these guys. 
Like if we had two franchises, fine. But there's too much talent. They're just sitting there in double A and triple A. Someone's got to be moved for something that's win now. If if the team is serious about winning a championship in 2023, they'll do what it takes to get him as long as it's not out of reason. Okay, can I also pose another question? Is Tim Anderson even that good? Because I don't think he is. Lifetime 324 hitter against left-handed pitching. I mean, if you're getting him to just hit lefties, then maybe. But I, I don't even think he's that good. I really don't. He's got five RBIs this year. No home runs. Yeah, he's 600 OPS. What team he's playing for? It's a lifeless. No, no. I've seen awful, awful teams have electric. Look at what you the know, A's, look at Brent you... Rooker's stats on the A's. He's got nothing to play for. Watch, watch. So the A's do? I was just at the A's game. There was less than 1,000 people there you could yell at the that's left field you could though. have a that's conversation different. that's they're different. moving to vac- how is that different it's different because they've got nothing there's no expectations for the a's look at the white Sox. people actually expect them to be good and they're that terrible shouldn't, that should not affect someone's ability to play well Sam Anderson has a some, 606 ops right now some, and if you look at his if you look at his baseball savant his bubbles look like the north pole okay this is not Someone who's going to come in and light the world on fire. At least that's what Nadi's doing right. He's not doing that right now. Remember, I don't think he's that good. I mean, I I agree with both your guys' points. Like one, Anderson is slightly overrated, so that's why I don't think you should trade the moon for him. But to counter that, I mean, look at what David Fries was doing the couple years prior to getting traded to the Dodgers. As soon as he was traded to a contender, his career got reignited, and he was one of the hottest hitters on the planet. And you put a guy like Anderson who wants to win back into a great situation. I fully believe he would then go back to his 309, 301. He basically hits 300 every year. We just need a bat. We need a bat and we need an outfield bat too that can hit lefties. That's we've got to figure that out. I mean, we're not, we got to get a shortstop. Is there anybody else out there? Willie Adonis? I don't know if we need a shortstop. are good. I don't know if we need a shortstop. I really don't. And I'm not saying you ride or die with Rojas. But if you get a corner outfielder, you put Taylor at shortstop and you 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 kind of platoon them or, or go with the hot hand or, or you bring in Rojas later. I, I don't think sh- you need a shortstop. I really don't. Adamas has been struggling, too. He has a low OPS. You, Running need some, of- you, need, you need someone who can hit, though, and that person should play left field. All right, we're running out of time. Is there any uh, things else you wanted to cover real quick or any miscellaneous segments? I mean, I want to talk a little bit about this upcoming road trip. I mean, you got four all away. You got four in St. Louis, three in Atlanta, and an off day, and then three against So this is going to be the first big uh, couple couple series here. I'm interested to see what they do against the Braves and the Rays specifically. Those are arguably two, two of, if not the two best teams in baseball right now. And... Uh, it's not going to be easy. So this is I'm excited for this test for the Dodgers. Uh, they do get an off day next Thursday before the Rays series, which will help out the bullpen and the starters. But this is I'm looking forward to this. Also, the the Cardinals are kind of on a little bit of a run right now. So they're they're hot, too. So, it, yeah, it's going to be a tough road trip. But I'm looking forward to the to the test to see who who rises above. Yeah. Talk more about the Braves and Rays series next week. But, yeah, the Cardinals will happen probably by t- before the next time we record. Didn't the Cardinals get absolutely shellacked by the Brewers like yesterday? 
Yeah, it's like they have 18 runs or something. Yeah, they they have mess a mess of a pitching staff. Arenado's hot. He's hit like five home runs in a row on or five days in a row with a home run. Yep. Goldschmidt's still an all-star, but they're struggling. My just real quick, my idiot of the week this week is the Cardinals for what they did to this Wilson Contreras catching situation. I don't know if you followed this, but basically they said He's not going to catch anymore. We're going to move him to DH. You just gave him a four-year, $80 million-something dollar contract. And early May, you're like, yeah, he's he's not our catcher anymore. Only three days later to go to a press conference, and the manager's like, yeah, we're better when he's our catcher, so he's going to be our catcher now. What the hell are you doing? How do you bungle this situation? The optics look awful. What the hell is going on there? You just paid this guy. Idiot of the week. What the hell are you doing? Also, when he got signed, he put out a video or they interviewed him about being signed with the Cardinals and he applauded how how well run of an organization they are and how they do things the right way or what he made some comment like that. So to have this happen to him is just so weird. Yeah, the Cardinal way. The, the lamest Cardinal thing way. of all time. Just shut up, St. Louis. You don't have a Cardinal way. Get off your high high horse. Your ivory towers. Your perch. The hell even is the cardinal way? What does that even mean? It means a lot of baseball. It means a lot of World Series. That's what it means. (laughs) Whatever. Stupid. I think they're the second most successful franchise. (laughs) Put them behind the Yankees. I think they've won the second most. So the Yankees won twenty of theirs when Plumbers were playing. And oh. Babe Ruth was murdering his wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's been awfully quiet, by the way. Ben Verlander's been awfully oh, quiet. Silent for whatever reason. Well, we know. Kind of nice. Right. Yeah, it's very nice. Let's keep that rolling. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. Make sure to subscribe and follow us wherever you get your podcast. And until then, hope you enjoyed today's episode and let us know in the comments what you thought. Send us some questions as well. Uh, On that note, everyone have a great week ahead. Happy Mother's Day. Belated Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And go Dodgers. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.